Amen. Good morning. I want to dismiss our uh, school-age kiddos uh, to the back uh, with Miss Tracy. Have fun, Trace. And um, Mr. Jason's back there too, I think. So y'all are in good hands this morning. Uh, Good morning. In case you don't know, my name is Jason, and I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant Church. And I am um, really excited for us to be gathered this morning. We're in a really good text today. We're going to be in 1 John 2, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. And as you read uh, the letters of John, it really is this picture. I just picture like this older man. I mean, this is an older man who like walked with Jesus. I mean, according to John, he was the beloved. And so, and he's very fast too, according to John. And uh, that's a Bible joke for you. And, uh, uh, and it's this picture of like this just older father type figure, like giving these instructions to those he loves in the church. And it's this beautiful picture of Christ's love for us. I want to start today's gathering. Will you, will you guys stand back up and read God's word? Uh, we're going to be, we're in 1 John 2, verse 15. The Apostle John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father but it's from the world. And the world with its lust and its passions is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Amen. And you see John here. Uh, So we had Easter weekend last weekend. And as Jamie mentioned, it's it's the season of Easter tide. It is is not, so we're clear, anything with roll tide, anything at all. That is... uh, of the devil, I believe, actually. And so um, all my cards on the table right there. Um, and so um, it's good to laugh, isn't it? Um, and, we, and I preached, um, I kind of screamed on Good Friday for a while, this idea that it is finished, right? And we believe that and we proclaim that and we, we strive to live that way. And, and I feel like John's passage this morning for us is like, it, it is finished. The, the work has been done, but we're still in a fallen world, aren't we? There's still an enemy out there. And, and if we're honest, there is still sin that resides in us. And it's, what do you do with that? Me and Luke uh, were having coffee. Well, Luke had coffee, had a water. And um, the other day, and uh, we were just talking about this sense. You know, it's almost school's almost done. And if you're a teacher, uh, thank you for being a teacher in this room. And, and you're done, right? Is that fair to say if you're a teacher, you're done? You're ready to be done? You're like, okay. Um, and there's just this sense of everybody's just so tired. Like there's, like a, like a, 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 like there's just like this funk of life where life is just so hard to walk in and there comes this mindset of like, okay, I've got to sludge through Monday through Friday so I can finally be done with all this mess and I can kind of have fun for myself and and do what I want to do to kind of please myself. And we kind of live this life on repeat. 
rinse, repeat over and over and over again. And what's interesting, and I will tell you, that describes my life in a lot of ways. Like there's like just this real like, uh, it's just difficult at times. And on paper, like my life is good. Uh, Praise God, I I have healthy kids. I've got a wife who like kind of likes me sometimes. No, she loves me. Um, I'm blessed with a good job. Uh, My health is good for the moment. Uh, the, the bills are pretty much paid. Um, like things should be okay. Like yesterday, for example, like we had a great little Saturday. Like, you know, went to the store, um, grilled. Uh, we watched a movie as a family. Like it was like this really sweet time. But something, something is just still not right. Because if you're like me, I still feel battered and bruised a lot of days. I, I still feel discouraged a lot of days. And here's the thing. I think that we forget that we are actually still in a battle. And that sometimes, you know, our life is hard is because we're in a battle. I think we forget three things. First is right here is we're in a battle and we act like we're not. We are in a battle. There's a, spirit, there's a spiritual war happening, and we are in the midst of that, and we act like we're not. Second, we are battling this battle in the wrong way. The ways of Jesus and his kingdom are different than the ways of the world. And we battle this in the wrong way, I believe. And third thing, we are just too close to the enemy. We, we have this belief, I have this belief that I can subscribe to the ways of the world in some ways and walk in the kingdom in other ways. That's just not true. We're just too close to the enemy. We're dabbling too much. We're flirting too much. All these things are just there and they're true. We forget we're in a battle. We bow the wrong way and we're too close to the enemy. But look how John encourages us today. Let's start first with verse 12. Let's go back a couple, a couple verses. And you, this kind of sets us up for how John warns the church. Verse 12 says this, I am writing to you, little children, since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you've come to know the one who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. So as you read this, I read 15 through 17 earlier. As I read this now, they almost seem opposed, like it's two separate thoughts that are happening. But if you look closer, you see they... They work together perfectly. It's like in Tetris, you know, like when you get the, the right little things to match up. Uh, remember the Game Boy in Tetris? Yeah. Now, there we go. Okay, one person. Cool. Um, see, verses 12 through 14, they, fit, they provide the encouragement necessary to, to kind of get us ready for the warning of verse 15 through 17. John's reminding us that we belong to God. 
Let me say that again because I think this we forget this. We belong to God and we know him as father. Listen, I love my kids. I would die for my kids. But my love for my kids is nothing for the love of the father for us. And we know him and we belong to him. Amen? We're a part of his family. He is our father and heaven is our home. John's reminding us of these great truths right now. And it makes no sense then that our affections would be swayed in light of this perfect love and this forever home. If we know God as Father, we will not set our hearts on the fleeting things of this world, on the systems and the worldview and the perspective of this world that stands in opposition against his perfect love. Those two things, they, don't, they simply don't mix. And John is giving this picture of the love that the people of God are in. It's a perfect love. It's like, you know, um, you found the best thing and you're like going for like the McDonald's version of it, right? And what's interesting, you look here at the end of verse 14. He says, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you. And you have conquered the evil one. It's in this past tense that this has happened. There's no doubt here that it's, it, our strength and our ability to defeat the evil one has a twofold source. First, first source of defeating the enemy is the work of God. That it is finished, correct? And the other is the word of God abiding in us. The work of God completing our salvation and the word of God remaining in us. This is John's theme throughout the book of John. The letter of John, excuse me. See, Satan will accuse us on the one hand that the work on the cross was not complete, right? He accuses us there and he tempts us on the other hand. He accuses that we're not complete and finished and forgiven. And then he tempts us to stray away from God's abiding word. The work of Christ answers this first tactic, that it is finished. And the word of God addresses the second, if it resides and abides in us. Our debt has been paid. Satan can hurl every accusation he wants, but it doesn't change the fact that our debt is paid. That's why we sing songs and we say our debt is paid and we cry out and we lift hands. Also, when Satan tempts us to sin, we can turn to God's abiding word. And we forget that grace is not simply forgiveness. Grace is also power. That God's grace, yes, forgives us of our debt, but God's grace empowers us to abide and to walk with him. So as we kind of look further at verse 15 through 17 today, we see the foundation that John is writing to these people, the work of Christ that is complete and the abiding word of God, which guides and protects. Let's go to verse 15 again. And our first point becomes clear after this. He says here, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, they love, the love of the Father is not in him. 
So our first one is this, is John's warning to stay in the Father's love. So imagine, you know, there's the Apostle John even teaching us today. And his warning is this, stay in the Father's love. So this world word here does not speak of God's good creation, that God has created and we celebrate, we worship God through his creation. No, or even the people within the world. It's not talking about that either. It's talking instead, it's referring to a a worldview or a perspective or even a, a kingdom that is contrary to the ways, the words, and the life of God and his kingdom. And this world that he's talking about is led by the evil one, uh, by the devil, which we're going to get to in a minute. And John is saying that we can have nothing with that world and say God's love resides in us. To love the world is to be devoid of the Father's love. Because here's what happens, is we seek the world when we're not receiving and believing and trusting in the perfect love. A person that's primarily driven by, focused on, and hoping in the world is not in the Father's love. If, if our hope, if our purpose, if, if our fleshly desires are what's driving us, we are not in the Father's love. Now, this is, <laughs> this is hard for me to hear and for me to even preach because we dabble. And, and we flirt, and we've fallen into the ways of the world, correct? Just me up here? Y'all are perfect. Congratulations. Um, that's great for y'all. But it's also because we don't understand the schemes of the enemy. We don't understand the schemes. Friends, I want you to hear this right now, and I love you. The enemy is actively working against God's church. And that's John's next point. Look at verse 16. For everything in the world, everything in this corrupt way is what he's saying. Everything in this corrupt way. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's possessions is not from the Father. It's not from the Father. It's from someone else, isn't it? See, John's warning us here. And here's his insight. Here's John's insight is to understand the battle. So there is this elderly man trying to help his church. He warns them and then gives them insight into what is the schemes coming against you and God's people. In this warning, what we see is three different enemies and three deceptive ideas. And with these three enemies, you get a clear picture of the attack on our life. And John is giving insight into these schemes. Our first enemy, the devil. The first enemy is the devil. Look at verse 16 again. At the end, it says, it's not from the father, right? That means it's from someone else. Look at 1 John 3, 8, just a few verses down. John says this, the one who commits sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. 
This has been the game from the beginning. The devil has been at work. Our second enemy is the world. It's this world, this, this corrupt way of existence that is all around us, that we swim in, that if we're not on guard, we'll walk in, right? It's this way of the world. That's this whole passage, right? Everything in the world, in this corrupt way of life. There's the devil, uh, there's the world, and our third enemy, the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, pride in one's possessions. Uh, there's this, uh, John Mark Comer says this about the devil's strategy. He says, deceitful ideas, it's from the devil, that play to disordered desires, which is our flesh, are normalized in a sinful society, the world. Friends, that is the scheme of the enemy. There is an enemy, there is the father of lies that is accusing and deceiving God's people all the time. There is this sin that resides inside of us, correct? In all of us that we're, we're battling against, right? And then these, our flesh and the lies of the enemy are normalized in a corrupt way of life in a corrupt world. And, and John here, he's going to unpack these, these deceitful ideas. And what's interesting is these deceitful ideas that John unpacks here, he wrote these thousands of years ago, and they completely apply to today. The people might have changed, but friends, the battle has not changed. The ways the enemy, the schemes, the sin that resides in us, in us it's the same root and the same problems that men and women had thousands of years ago. So here in this passage, we see three deceitful ideas. Uh, the first you see here in verse 16, the lust of the flesh. When he says the lust of the flesh, it really is this picture that when we desire to please our flesh above everything. When he is saying, watch out for this, that if your life is primarily about pleasing yourself, making yourself feel good, feel comfortable, and feel at ease, you're walking out of the Father's love. And I see this in two primary ways in our context. The first is sexual morality. Like, it is a world we live in now where if it feels good, you do it. If you want to watch this, watch this. This permeates our culture, correct? Second, it's gluttony. We're just gluttonous in every possible way, whether it's food, whether it's clothes, whether it's stuff, whether it's consuming. Uh, many times we are the man in the story building bigger barns, are we not? Friends, we live in a gluttonous world. And our friend and our brother John is warning us from thousands of years ago the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, making your carnal desires the center of your life is a path to death. Second idea, the lust of the eyes. This is really pursuing whatever your eyes see and whatever your eyes want. 
This is the gaze of the person that's led by their gut, right? You see a certain kind of will that determines what we focus on and look at. Here's what happens then. As we walk in covetousness, covetousness, is that a word? I believe it is. We covet things. How about that? That's better. I can do that for sure. We covet. We, we see, we focus, we scroll, we click, we click, we scroll. And we tend to like harp on men about this. And we should about pornography and sexual lust. Yes, those things are rotting us for sure. But friends, consumerism is also rotting us. We buy and we buy and we buy and we put on a card and we do this and we do this. And our eyes are just fully consumed by these things. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. There we go. Final idea. We have pride in one's possessions. It's this idea that we take pride in the fleshly things. Like we take pride in possessions and take pride in achievements in a fleshly sense, as if this is the point of our existence. And friends, if we are not careful, we will do this with our kids every single day of the week where our parenting becomes less about pointing them to the love of the Father and more towards worldly accomplishments and hopes and dreams and achievements. The greatest thing for your kids is not a scholarship, it's to know the Father's love. It's that simple. And we inherently, we get caught up, as John is saying, in the ways of this world, the lust of the flesh, of the eyes, and the pride in our possessions and our achievements. And we just kind of swim in this, and we drift away from the Father's love, and we drift our families away from the Father's love and make these things the point. And, and there's a fine line in all these things. Because every store, it's not wrong to buy a house. It's not wrong to get a tutor for your kids for college. Those things are not wrong. They are right and they are good, but they're not worthy of our hope and our focus is what I would say. And this is why godly friendship and counsel and accountability is so important because I have blind spots and I need the wisdom of other brothers and sisters in Christ to let me know when I'm walking away from the Father's love and into the lusts and the pride of this world. It's a fine line. And I'll tell you this, friends, you are not wise enough and holy enough and strong enough to walk in this world alone. Not in my notes, just off the cuff right there for you guys for free. Man, that, is, that, was, that was fun. And I believe that this is going to sound dramatic. This verse is one of the most important verses in the Bible because it gives us today this insight into the enemy's schemes and strategies. And for me this week, it was like, you know, you go to a doctor and they do all the checks, right? You get the temperature, the blood pressure, the little finger thing, whatever that might be, all those kind of things, right? They're just doing this check on your body. And as I was going through this week, through God's little MRI machine, that was so cheesy, but I did it. And, and I think about the lust of the flesh, like, what am I really desiring? Or, or what's this? What is leading my life? 
Is my gut leading my life? What I want leading my life? Where is my focus? What are my eyes lusting after? And third, in my pride, what am I hoping in? What is my ultimate purpose and my win? And, and I ran this little check and the journal was not pretty. <laughs> Wasn't pretty. So what do I do? I go to my savior. I go to my father who doesn't love me like this. Like, oh, come on, come on. No, it's a father who runs after me in my repentance, right? And he reminds me, no, you're clothed in righteousness. Don't walk in that filth. Walk with me. I read this this week. I don't know who said this, but he said, it's not an overstatement to say that if worldliness means living only to please our flesh and pursue what our eyes lust after so that we can arrogantly boast about our conquests and accomplishments, then worldliness is a synonym for America. Listen, friends, we swim in a world that normalizes this. We swim in that world. And this is when we're called to be in the world and not of the world because we're not called to be monks. We're called to make disciples, right? Uh, but too many times we're making alliances with the enemy and not converts and disciples of the enemy. So here's the pattern. You live, we live to please our flesh. Then what our eyes see, we see and we pursue and we lust after. And after that, we boast on the things that we've gotten and achieved. Our gut leads us, our eyes guide us, and the work of our hands give us our hope and our joy. And friends, it's just not good enough, is it? Have you ever like just uh, lived your life, this is the story of my life for sure, where you just pursue these fleshly things and then, you, and, then you, and then you kind of walk in the flesh and you might even get some of these things and then just like, oh, that, that doesn't satisfy. I'm still incomplete. I'm still not walking in love. I'm still not walking in peace. I'm discontent. But John does not finish with this warning. He gives a promise. Look at verse 17, and you'll see John's promise here. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. Here's John's promise. The lies will not last. The lies will not last. The desires of this world are temporary and will pass. The world, our desires, and the enemy's lies, they cannot give you what they are selling. John's saying this, you will forfeit your soul if you make your fleshly desires the point of your life. If our if our life is about this world primarily, then all we'll get is this world. And this world is passing away. The desires, the schemes, the things we hold in such high accord, friends, they're passing away. 
even the, the, the great things are passing away in light of God's unshakable kingdom. But at the end of the day, when we put our heads down on our pillows or we're in the shower or we're alone in the car, there is this deep desire within us. Too many times, uh, Comer says this, that we have strong desires and we have deep desires. You know, that strong desire is I've got to have that cupcake right now. And the strong desire wins out too many times, right? But the deep desire is to love my kids well. The deep desire is to be present with the least of these in my life. The deep desire is to walk in communion with the Father and the Son, the Spirit, and to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. The deep desire is to do the hard, to do the long, to do the unseen. There is this battle of the strong desires, and we're in a world which is normalized strong desires. If you want it, buy it. If you like it, take it. If it looks good, do it. If you want to watch it, watch it. The strong desires are so enticing. But here is what I know. In every person made in the image of God, there's a deep desire for their Savior but even greater in the people of God, filled with the Spirit of God, right? There is this deep desire through the Spirit of God to walk in his love, where you're tired of the counterfeit, you're tired of the cheap, you're tired of the fleeting, you're tired of the small, you're tired of all these kind of things, right? You're just sick of it. And whatever your thing is, the strong desire, the deceptive idea, which is spoken by the enemy and normalized in the world. Is it your plans? Is it what you think and hope happens in your life, in your kids' lives? Is it your focus day in, day out? What you're setting your mind on? Maybe your focus is nothing but fleshly things. And your soul reflects that. Maybe it's your finances, right? Where in your finances, you're just kind of walking in the ways of the world where it's all about you. Because we believe this lie that we can integrate the ways of the world into the ways of the Father's love, and it can't happen. That's what Paul point, Paul's point in Galatians 5. Galatians 5, verse 9. He says here, he's talking about circumcision, but it applies to us today with these other false teachings of the world. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. A little sprinkle ruins the whole thing. A little sprinkle of the fleshly desires. A little sprinkle of your focus on the flesh. A little sprinkle of the pride of achievement and stuff in this world. A little sprinkle in that saps the joy, it saps the power from our life. Hear this. God has greater plans for his people than for his people to limp through life. Church, hear this. God's power, God's plan is much greater than us limping through life. Look at Peter's word here in 2 Peter. We got, we got Peter, John, and Paul today. I like this. 2 Peter 1. I read this yesterday and I had to include it in my sermon. 
fun part about preaching. Like you read, so, oh, that's about God's word's good. Let's throw it in there. Verse three, his divine power has given us everything required for life. Friend, that's a bold statement from, from Peter, isn't it? If you have walked through, and I know you in this room, that are walking through some really hard times. Through sicknesses you didn't plan for. Through lies you didn't do. All these kind of attacks, but we're promised His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may share in the divine nature. Escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Friends, you're not called to limp through life you're called to partake in a divine nature. And that is great news, isn't it? And here's even the great, this divine nature comes through trusting and abiding in him. It doesn't come through you prettying yourself up to be divine. That will never happen. Because there's something deep in us that wants the eternal, it wants the big, it wants the costly, it wants the heavy, it wants the Father's love, and it wants to love others freely. And this is John's big point throughout his letter. He is leading these people to walk and abide in the Father's love and to obey the Father through love of each other, to abide in him and his word and his love and to love each other. Because God and his love and his will will have a lasting eternal impact. The ways, the desires, the things of this world, they are passing away. But the will and the plans of God will last forever. So John gives a warning of, listen, friends, you, you can't walk in the ways of this world and walk in the Father's love at the same time. He gives insights, right? There's the devil, there's the world around us, and the flesh inside of you. There are these deceptive ideas that describe the world we live in, the lust of the flesh, that what you want, you take and you do. The point of your life is to please yourself. The lust of the eyes, whatever you see, you focus, you covet, you lust, and you take. And then once you've consumed and achieved and taken, this is the pride and the purpose and the reason of your existence. That's the insight. And finally, the promise. All those things, the shininess of the world, it's going to pass away. It's hollow. It's shallow. It can't support. But my love, my kingdom will last forever. It will not be touched. And he's inviting his people, he's inviting us to partake, not in this limping existence, but a divine existence. His divine power. I, I want to end today with answering this question. How do we access the divine power? H how do we fight the flesh 
and walk in the grace and power of the ways of God. So I have uh, for us three divine power practices. What a title that is. Three divine power practices. First, faith over flesh. That we should have this practice. I'm going to encourage us this week to fast. And you might be saying, well, we just had Lent. Well, I understand that. Your flesh is still there. I want to challenge every person in this room that calls himself a Christian to walk in the power of faith over flesh by fasting breakfast and lunch one day this week. One day this week, you're choosing. I almost picked a day for you. I decided not to. Your choice. Faith over flesh. Because we, ha- we need to train our, ourselves, our souls, our flesh, our bodies to desire the things of God more than the things of this world. And one of the primary ways throughout church history to, to fight the flesh is to starve the flesh. So one day this week, and if you have questions about fasting, what that means and how to do that, please find me or ask one of your leaders in your group. But I would encourage all this week to find one way to walk in this divine practice of fasting. Second, word over the world. The world is shining all these things at us to focus, to meditate our minds and our thoughts on these things. So let's redeem that and let's walk in a divine practice of the word. And here's my challenge. I've got big challenges this week. And so uh, I'm sorry, uh, but I believe these are best for us. Let's memorize and meditate on Psalms 1 this week. Well, let's just read Psalms 1 real quick. Psalms 1, you can turn that real quick. It's not, it's not going to be on the screen. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible. The psalmist says this, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instructions. Let me stop right there. We think that our job as Christians is to like grin and bear it and limp through life trying to obey God's laws and commandments. Friends, that's not what God is asking for. God is after your hearts so that you want to walk in his ways, that it brings joy, that it brings life, that it naturally flows out of you. I can't preach two sermons. And then it ends here. He meditates on this law day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, it prospers. That is partaking in a divine nature. But we meditate on the wrong things. We forget the hope and the truth of the gospel. So this week, let's walk in this divine practice of the word over the world. Third thing, people over possessions. Our greatest hope and pride in life is not our stuff. It's the people we love and influence. Make priority for people over possessions. Open your table one day this week. Share a meal with someone outside of your home this week to practice people over possessions. Friends, this is how we walk in the ways of Jesus. Listen, it is finished. There's nothing to earn, but we do walk. 
we walk by starving our flesh to remind ourselves that he is the bread of life. Friends, do you believe that, that he is the bread of life? That he is the living water? I don't believe it sometimes. I, I know that because of the choices I make in life. I seek and I, I focus and I pursue things that are just not worth it. He's the bread of life. So we starve our flesh to remind ourselves that he's the bread of life. Second, we've got to focus our thoughts, set our mind on things above and meditate on what is beautiful and lovely and true. Because truth, friends, is reality. Too many times we meditate on things that aren't simply real. It's not real to believe that a new home will give you hope, peace, and joy. That is not reality, friends. Hear me. It's not reality that if your kid turns out perfect, it's the greatest hope and joy in the world that can provide what God provides. That's not reality. Here is reality. That no matter what comes, the Father loves you. And as we meditate and walk with him, we can walk supernaturally through hard things by keeping our eyes focused on him. And last, at the end of the day, Give your life to what truly matters, and that's people. It's your spouse, it's your kids, it's your neighbors, it's your coworkers, it's your brothers, your sisters in Christ. Be a person that makes people over possessions a priority. We're going to close today with communion. We're going to partake in his love today. We start the sermon with, with a reminder that it is finished. And communion is the objective reminder that my sin cost something, that my sin was paid for, and we can walk in hope and love and freedom today. That it's through his gospel we're empowered by his grace to walk in these ways. That we're empowered to fast. We're empowered to meditate. We're empowered to love people. Through his death and resurrection and his grace, he empowers us to do those things. So I'm going to pray for us. And before you come, I would encourage you, get your card out, talk with God. I'll be in the back. Come pray with me or some of our prayer team. If you want to do work today, let us know how we can help you, how we can pray for you. Because here is the greatest hope, that we will stop listening and walking to the lies of the enemy and walk in true, safe, covenantal, fatherly love. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the hope of the gospel. Father, I'm reminded of your promise that uh, one day you'll make all things new. And, and Father, I would ask that you today you begin with us. That in your loving kindness, you'll lead us back to you. Or you'll, you'll lead us further into you. That we would leave here and walk in deeper waters. We'd walk in deeper love. Deeper assurance of your love for us. And deeper love for each other and the world around us. Father, move in hearts even right now. Jesus, we love you.
Our only hope is you. Move in hearts. We ask, do, and pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Just come when you're ready. Uh, this is